Would you please turn with me to the Decalogue as found in Exodus 20, verse 7, and also Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 11, exact same words. Our series, the Ten Commandments, otherwise known as the Ten Words, Ten Messages. Remember, they're a summary of God's whole Word. And then Jesus, Jesus summarizes the Ten Summaries with two. And He told us that the one was the greatest of commandments. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and soul and mind and strength. And that covers the first four. Vertical, uh, man's relationship with God. And then the second commandment, it's great, but not as great as the first. But thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The verti- the, uh, sorry, the horizontal, man's relationship with man, commandments 5 through 10. Well, we're in the third of the four uh, uh, section, the first section of the law. Commandment number three. Can you remember the first two? Thou shalt have no other gods before me, and thou shalt not make into thee any graven image. The idea is to bow down and worship it. And the commandment today, number three, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Very short and uh, very clear, isn't it? Thou sh- I'm sorry, verse 7. Um, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. A little longer, but still a shorter commandment telling us about God's name and how to use it, how to not use it. And things need to be unpacked. What does it mean, God's name? What does it mean to take it? What does it mean to take it in vain? So, I hope we can look at these. I don't think we're going to be able to settle uh, thoroughly on the third, third commandment today. So, part one. Really, what it's saying is, uh, the precept, Hallowed be thy name. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, is the prohibition, the precept Jesus taught us, Remember in the Lord's Prayer, the Lord's model prayer, hallowed be thy name. And it's interesting in English, there's just one letter between uh, the prohibition and the precept. The precept is hallowed be thy name. The prohibition is H-O-L-L-O-W. People hallow, use his name, and hallow out his name as if it is unprofitable, as if it is vain, as if it is futile, as if it is empty. They empty God of His reputation. They hollow, H-O-L-L-O-W. So really, there's a difference between hollow and hollow. And that's what we hope to, to, con- to consider. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. He that runneth into it is safe. The name of the Lord You see the progression of the commandments as we have looked at 1, 2, and 3. 
the first commandment answers really who we should worship. Who we should love with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. That is the Lord. And atheism is if we don't worship Him. And polytheism is if we worship Him with other gods. And there are other isms that are forbidden as well. But we're told very clearly that the Lord, He is God. He says, no God was made before me, neither shall there be any made after Him. And He's obviously... um, sarcastic. God is not made. Some say, well, where did God come from? There was always a cause. Well, He is the uncaused cause. God is. He never never had a beginning and He doesn't have an end. So you have the, the clear teaching on who God is. But then, how is this God to be worshipped? Some would say, well, why didn't he put three first? Which means, why are we to worship him? But he gives us the means of worship before he really gives us the the reason necessarily. I am the Lord and here's how I want to be worshipped. Don't worship me with forms. Don't make me in your image. Don't make me in the image of creatures, of things. I'm invisible. I'm spirit. Worship me in spirit, spiritually, and worship me in truth, scripturally. That's the precept of the second commandment, John 4, 24. And we're told, obviously, as we, as we read through the scriptures, the precept, how do we worship the Lord? Well, we worship Him by praying, by preaching, by uh, oaths and vows. We worship Him by... Um, the sacraments, baptizing and, and uh, communion at the Lord's table, and so on. We looked at, at uh, the third or the second commandment for two weeks. We could spend two months on each commandment. But again, what I want to remind us is, like, as in my prayer earlier, so often we can read the Ten Commandments of just a list of do's and don'ts and just be terrorized by it and say, I can never measure up to them and be discouraged. But there are different uses of the law. Just like a policeman. There are different uses of a policeman. Do you see a policeman and shake? And are terrorized every time you see a policeman? If He's there for your benefit. He's there for your good. He's protecting you. But you can wave to the policeman if you're being lawful. And... Uh, as it were, the law of God has at least three uses. The first use is to drive us to Christ. We look at it, the Ten Commandments and we say, Who is sufficient? I've sinned. I've broken every one of them, thought, word, and deed. Is there any hope for me? And we were told Christ is the goal of the law. Romans 10, verse 4. He's kept it perfectly. Through Christ, we are forgiven of our sins when we repent. And He... He credits us with His righteousness, that He has kept the law perfectly. I delight to do Thy law, Thy word, Thy laws within my heart. So the first use is it drives us to Christ. It's a schoolmaster, as we're told in Galatians. It drives us to Christ. 
We find salvation not in keeping the law, but we find salvation in the Christ's keeping of the law. Secondly, it's for the magistrate. It's for our elected officials. That they are God's ministers, we're told in Romans 13, and they're to ensure that God's law is, is upheld to punish evildoers and to reward those who are, are obedient to God's law. They are to uphold God's laws. So they are to enact laws that facilitate people um, earning a living honestly. They're to punish thieves, punish robbers, punish murderers, punish those that they're not to allow people to commit perjury when they use God's name in court. When people are discovered that they have, that's one breach of, of this commandment, perjury. Under oath, we use God's name to tell the truth and yet we're lying. That's a serious sin. And may I say, our elected officials are to promote the Lord's Day. They're not to have all kinds of, of activities that just sap people's time away from God's house and away from God's Word. And all towns, as you all know, are not upholding the Fourth Commandment. And they're going to give account, these officials. And the Third Commandment, is, is what we're referring to today, is really why? Why are to we worship this one God and worship Him by praying and preaching and so on? Because His name is holy. That's the idea. Why would God tell us not to take His name in vain? Well, He's saying that His name, whatever that represents, is special. When you take it up, when you use it, it's to be used profitably with right purpose. It's to be used efficiently. It's to be used reverently, joyfully, not in vain. And we look at what it means is not to no good purpose. Not in an empty way as if you've hollowed out the meaning of name. In other words, we don't love the Lord when we use His name flippantly, casually. Oh, that we would hear this. It's, you know, this is one of the, the commandments that is prevalently breached in our day. What day can you and I live outside? What day can you shop or just turn on a radio or walk among people without hearing God's name taken in vain. It's very hard to live a day if you're even turning on the television, which I don't watch very often, but you're seeing even symbols today of OMG. They're just using symbols to take God's name in vain. And not just God Himself, but even the name of Jesus. The Bible equates the name of Jesus with with equal reverence of the name of God. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Where in Isaiah 45 it says, at the name of Jehovah, every knee shall bow. Isaiah 45, 23, Philippians chapter 2. Exact same. Jehovah and Jesus. And so taking Jesus' name in vain is a breach of the third commandment. It's interesting how 
I believe it was Northern Ireland, they were just taking surveys in communities, religious surveys, and they were asking young children. And they asked one boy, do you know anything about the name Jesus? Have you ever heard the name Jesus? You know what he said? That's the word that my father uses when he's angry. That's all he knew about the name Jesus. That's all he knew. What are we doing to this present, these present generations? Teaching them the emptiness, that God's name is empty. God is... Three things that I'd like us to look at. God is a revealing God. He is a loving God. And He is a threatening or judging God. He is a revealing God. He tells us what His name is. He is a loving God. In other words, He wants us to take up His name. He wants us to use His name. He wants us to relate, to interact with Him. And He is a threatening God. He will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. What that means is He will not not punish those who take His name in vain. He's going to punish those who irreverently use His name and don't repent. Again, our sins, not as just a society, but as a church, need to be under the blood. Not just out there that His name's taken in vain. I realize that behind the pulpit, when I just use God's name, and all that refers to, sometimes I can just mindlessly use His proper names or speak of His works and not do so passionately in, in faith. I need your prayers. I need the blood of Christ. Even as I exercise worship, means of worship, the priest had to put his hands on the animal not just to represent the nation and to transfer guilt of the nation, but His hands included Him. He needed forgiveness. I need forgiveness. Because I am preaching and teaching God's name every time I'm behind this sacred desk. And every time I use His name, is it properly? Is it in faith? Is it reverently? Oh, that the Lord would forgive my sins and I plead the blood of Christ as I take up His name each time take up position behind this sacred desk. He's a threatening God. The misuse of His name is dangerous, in other words. It's dangerous. Someone will say, well, what does it mean He's not going to hold Him guiltless? Well, we'll look at that and that's probably next week, but you say, well, it can't be really serious, right? Maybe he'll... I'll have a cold one day. Well, God, it's deter He determines if He's going to take... if He's going to punish in this life or if it's simply reserved for the next life. But He determines the punishment. And we'll look at... you look at Leviticus 24... Many of God's commandments were unpacked as they lived out their lives in the land of Canaan or before they arrived there. There was a young man who happened to have an Egyptian father 
who we think was dead at this time, is similar language to Timothy's father. He was an Egyptian. And he had a, a, a widowed mother. And he got in a fight with, another, with an Israelite. And he took God's name in vain. And obviously he received the ultimate in this life, where the Lord, they put him in jail. They put him in jail for taking God's name in vain. It was a crime, even before, but they didn't know what the punishment was. They knew there was punishment because he says he will not hold him guiltless and take his name in vain. So Moses had to ask the Lord, what do we do with this man in jail? And the Lord said, take him out and stone him. And the interesting thing is, the people that were to stone him were the ones that were hurt him. But the fearful thing is that they had to put their hands on the man's head. In other words, they were responsible for dealing with the sin. They heard it. If they don't deal with the sin, they're responsible for not dealing with it. How does that apply to you and me? We hear God's name taken in vain, and we do nothing about it. We're liable. We need the blood of Christ, even in our guilty silence. But I like to look at it from the precept point of view, and you say, well, it's, it's given from a pro, prohibition point of view, first of all. But I understand that. And I think of the woman that was, uh, was asking the Lord to heal her daughter, and the Lord said... Um, it's not right to take the children's bread to cast it to the dogs. So he used the prohibition in a sense, but she used the precept at first. She said, but the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. So the precept over, overcame the prohibition. So I'm going to start with the precept, if you will, because so often people say, oh, they're all just negatives. Well, we understand why there are eight prohibitions of the Ten Commandments. I think we, we do, don't we? We need the don't trespass signs. I don't think I've ever seen the sign that said, it's nice grass and you can walk on it next week. You ever heard, you ever seen that sign? Or, uh, you know, please, you'll get hurt if you go the wrong way on this one-way street. I've never read these no trespassing signs with precept language. But there is a precept here. The Lord has it in the prohibition form, but the precept is, hallowed be thy name. The precept is, swear by his name. Isn't it interesting? In, Act, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, Right after chapter 5, it says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Deuteronomy 6.13 says, Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve Him and shalt swear by His name. So he's giving us a precept of what he had given as a prohibition in the chapter before. In other words, he was giving us one example how we lift up God's name properly. And the word swear there is not profane. It's not use an expletive. It's saying in court, it's the court language, thou shalt use his name in serious situations that it, it, it's determining life from death. Or someone's life punishment versus being, being guiltless. 
And so he gives us one example. But let's look at it first of all. The fact that God would give us his name. Isn't that gracious? If you don't know someone's name, you don't know them. If you don't, if you don't spend t- God says, this is who I am. You know, when you meet someone, my name is, and what's your name? Now, if they don't give us their name, they don't want any interaction. There's, there's, they put a wall there if they refuse to give us their name. Or, you know, maybe where they're from. Or what school do they attend? Or what work do they do? They, they don't, they're not interested in us getting to know them. But God is interested in His people to know Him. The fact that He gives us His name. And what, what He's like. What He's done. What He's going to do. All these are God's introductions to us. His getting us to know Him. That's what it's, it's saying. You read this between the lines. He's told us what He's done. Right from the very beginning. In the beginning, I created the heavens and the earth. That's who I am. He introduces us in the Bible to His creative power. He's the Creator. He introduces His reputation as the Creator. And then He gives us His name. Well, in the being God, He tells us His name. And He tells us His name is Yahweh, Jehovah. tells us His name is Adonai. He tells us His name is El Shaddai, God Almighty. And did you know, I had never counted, but Joel Beakey said there are 280 names of Jesus in the Bible. Jesus, Shepherd, Emmanuel. Right down the line, you, he said there are 280. What is that saying? He loves us. He introduces Himself to us. He wants us to know Him. He doesn't keep secret who He is. What He's done. What He's like. He named Adam. You know, when you name someone, you have, that means you have the authority. You're in a place of naming. And then He had changes of name. Isn't that amazing? Which was important too. He changed Abraham's name. Or Abram's name to Abraham. And Sarai to Sarah. And Jacob to Israel. In other words, the Lord was saying, I've done something to change your reputation or to add something to your resume. The name speaks of someone's identity, his person, what he's like, what he's, what he's known for. In other words, the Lord's saying, hello, my name is when He gives us all these proper names and works and attributes, we're not, we're not guessing. He tells us that He's all-powerful. He's omnipotent. He tells us He's everywhere at the same time. He's omnipresent. He tells us that He's unchangeable. He's immutable. He tells us that He's eternal, that He never had a beginning. He tells us that He's a God of love. He gave His own Son to die for us. He tells us He's merciful. He's compassionate. He's long-suffering. He tells us He's just. We're not, learned, we're, not, we're not given to guessing, are we? There's not one attribute of His 
that He's not given us in His Word. And He's coined these names. I don't know if the Father and Son were calling each other Father and Son in spirit, but He gives us His proper names. And He gives us His titles. And so I... I want us to understand that the word name speaks of the fact that God is a revealing God. He's merciful to darkened sinners. Do you know the Bible was given to us after the fall? Isn't that amazing? Adam didn't have a written Bible. Was, the law was on his conscience. But God gave His Word to a darkened people who rebelled against Him, who defied Him. Isn't that saying He introduces Himself to us? So, the categories of name are proper names, His signature, if you will, His label, His symbol, His autograph. God, which speaks of His power, Capital L, capital O, capital R-D speaks of His covenant mercies. And then He adds, He compounds them. He's Jehovah Sidkenu, I'm the Lord, our righteousness. Jehovah Shalom, He's the Lord, our peace. The Lord Rafi, our healer. Then He calls Himself, capital L, small O-R-D, He speaks of His authority. And then the Bible reveals God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the actual name, Jesus, where His titles are Lord and Christ. But He does, it's His actual proper name. But His titles are Lord and Christ, and they're not to be taken in vain. So it's not just His proper names, but His titles, His attributes, His works. His influence, His fame, His stature. How excellent is Thy name, O Lord, in all the earth! And then he goes into creation and, and giving man rule over his creation. Malachi, My name shall be great among the Gentiles. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. He that runneth into it is safe. It speaks of His person, not just His proper name. The Lord Himself is a strong tower. So anything denoting or describing His fame is covered under the word name. That's why, for instance, we ought not to speak lightly of the word miracle. It's, 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 a, it's a unique work of God. And yet the word is so often used in such a trivial way. We trivialize miracle. Someone hits a home run and it's a miracle. Just a ball with a with a, a an aluminum bat. You say, isn't that a little bit too, you know, legalistic? Well, anything that that minimizes the idea of the power of God in doing something. So there's a wide sense of meaning. And we know that. He earned a name for Himself. That, we use that as He earned reputation for His wisdom or His power or His administrative ability. We use that word. 
She has a good reputation for diligence. They were called Christians first in Antioch. That's a title that was given to them. It may have been given in scorn. They're little Christs. But it's a title. You will know them by their fruits. Their works give a reputation of who they are. Even the words of God have become notable. We use them. The love of money is the, is the root of all evil. By the sweat of thy face, dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. And the parables and metaphors of the Lord are well known. And we ought to use those words of God as not in vain, but to good purpose. And the works of God, what about His judgment? The, the, the universal flood, the parting of the Red Sea, the plagues in Egypt, the resurrection of Christ, walking on the water. These expressions and references to them ought not to be done so with lightness. God is holy. Even the Bible says we ought not to use the ideas of heaven and hell lightly. There were people that said, as long as we don't use God's proper name and we swear by heaven or swear by um, something else and not use God's name, we're okay. But the Lord said, heaven is His throne. You ought not speak lightly of the idea of heaven. How often do you hear people say, for heaven's sake? And they use it in vain. They use an expression that should be used with great solemnity. The power of God to create heaven. It's a place of holiness. And yet we use it as an expression of anger or a surprise. And you and I know about this, the idea of hell. It's constantly taken in vain. It's God's name. He created hell. When people use the idea and the word hell as swear words, and you and I hear it, I don't have to repeat it. It's taking God's name in vain. People don't realize this. But they need to because the Lord says, I will not hold him guiltless that taketh my name in vain. And so whose responsibility is it to teach people the wide use of the idea of name? You think the angels will teach the world? Whose idea, whose responsibility is it? Is it not... You and me. This is not too wide an application, brother and sister. We have to say, Lord, who is sufficient for these things? Thy commandment is exceeding broad, the psalmist said. These names are that which God reveals Himself to us as a God of kindness and love. I am the Lord, He said. I am holy. That's His attributes. The word of the Lord came unto me. His words. All thy works shall praise thee. His works are His reputation. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. His titles are His reputation. Heaven is my throne. In hell He lifted up His eyes, being in torments. These are all expressions that reveal God's name. References to these should be made with thoughtfulness because they're revelations of God to us, introducing Himself to us. There is a God 
in heaven. He is powerful. He made the world. He created angels. He made man in His image. He has a paradise and a prison. Oh, that we would have our eyes open to see these are revelations of God's fame. Open our eyes, we should pray, to behold the ways that You have revealed Yourself to man. You've revealed that You're the Creator, that we are living as creatures in His creation. And evolution is taking God's name in vain as a system of belief. God is ruling. We talked about His providential ruling. When we complain of the hot or the cold or the rain or the the sleet or the snow, are we not taking His name as providential ruler in vain? We're saying, Lord, we don't agree with Your providential rule. Do we mock Calvary, His name as Savior? Do we make light of hell, the God as judge? Do we use the Sermon on the Mount as to justify a social gospel rather than the Lord Jesus showing His people the way of life for the Christian? God is a revealing God. and How merciful to make Himself known. Not just generally by creation, but specifically by the Word of God. God is a revealing God. God is a revealing God. Secondly, God is a loving God. He's not only given us His names to introduce Him to us. He's saying to us, take up My name. So we're looking at the precept again. Isn't God a God of love? He doesn't just introduce Himself and say, but I don't want any interaction from you. Here's who I am, but I don't want you to approach me. No, he's saying, I want you to lift up my name as Lord, as powerful, as a God of grace. The word take means to bring, to carry, to bear, to lift up. It's used of taking up God's word as a prophet. It's used of, of Joseph when he said, carry me out of Egypt. The word carry. It's used, the Lord, Lord uses it in Exodus 3, I did swear or lift, literally lift up my hand to give the land to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's used of the mariners who took up Jonah and cast him into the water. It's used of bearing precious seed when you go and spread the seed of the word. It's used when the Lord says, I bear you on eagle's wings. It's used of us not taking up the names of idols on our lips. In Psalm 16, verse 4. So the idea is, the Lord is saying, I want you to lift up my name. I want you to carry my name. I want you to advance my name. It's used of advancing Talked in Ezra about furthering the people by the teaching of the Word. The Lord is saying, I want you to take up My name. I don't want you to be silent. And you know, the Jews seem so respectful, but it really is a breach of this command. The Jews, when they, whenever God's name is found in the Hebrew text, 
when they read that sentence, they always left it blank. Or, some segments of the Jews, instead of using the, reading the name Jehovah, which is in the text, they reduced it to the name Adonai. They thought that they were obeying the command that, you know, if we don't take His name in vain, we'll never be punished. And so they thought by just simply avoiding the, speaking His name, or replacing it with a lower title, that they would secure themselves against the breach. But that the Lord is saying, I want you to bear my name. I want you to read my name from the pulpit publicly. We are not to read and leave blank how excellent is thy name in all the earth. We are to read, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. He wants us to lift it up thoughtfully and respectfully, to bear it up when we speak, when, by the way we live, to lift up His name. We take His name in our hearts, on our lips, with our lives, by our worship, by the defense of His name when it is profaned and blasphemed. We lift up His name when we pray. And He says, pray this, Hallowed be thy name. We pray that the Lord would be glorified. That He would speak to our hearts. That He would save sinners. And we name Him, O Lord, save sinners. Lord of the harvest, send forth labors. We take up His name in praise. When we, when we sing, the Lord reigneth, Psalm 98. Or when we say hallelujah, we better be careful. There are these trivial children's choruses that use the word hallelujah back and forth. They jump up and down. It's taking the Lord's name in vain. There's no thoughtful use of it. We have to be so careful. We take the name of the Lord in thanksgiving. God be thanked. In preaching, seek ye the Lord while He may be found. In teaching, Paul said to the Philippian jailer, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. At the Lord's table, we do this in remembrance of Him, of His name, of His reputation, of His death at Calvary, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. We take up His name when we meditate upon His Word. Remember our memory verses in Malachi? The Lord takes thought of those that Think upon His name. Meditate on His attributes, on His works, on His proper names. We take up His name when we believe on Him. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. What do we do with it then? We run into it. When people run away from God, it's unbelief. But the Lord teaches us who He is, that He's a strong tower. And what do we do with the revelation of His name? of His titles, of His attributes. We run to Him. That's a word of faith. We believe on Him. What did you say a little Leah the other day? What do we do when we've sinned? And she said, run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. That's an expression of faith. Run to Jesus. We take up His name when we rebuke blasphemers. I wonder, do we... What kind of 
What kind of courage do we have? Remember the film where the man was in the film and they kept taking the Lord's name in vain? He runs out of the theater and the people ready to serve popcorn and pop and he's, they took the Lord's name in vain. They took the Lord's name in vain. The people are like, what's wrong with this guy? And he flees from the theater. And I wonder, can we watch films that we know and we can hear the Lord's name taken in vain over and over and over again and we still watch it? Brother, do we not love the Lord our God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength? We have to be careful. And you know, I know a preacher, he covenanted with his wife and they covenanted with their children that when we watch a film, and again, this is... I'm just saying, here's the application that they felt. When we watch a film, the first time his name's taken in vain, it's off. I don't care how hard, how much our heart got into it. They covenanted together. They're not going to allow his name taken in vain without consequence of... Do we turn off the movie? Leave the theater? You say, that's, you know, that's pretty embarrassing. That's pretty... That's pretty, uh, what's the word? That's pretty, the word isn't serious. I can't pull it out of my mind. That's pretty strict. Yeah, is it strict? The holy name of God when angels cry all day, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Remember Isaiah fifty-seven fifteen. Thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity whose name is holy. So he says, my name, my attribute. He calls his name his attribute, holy. I dwell in the high and the holy place. We take up his name properly when we swear by his name in court settings. So help me God is not so much an oath, it's more of a prayer. But when we say that we swear upon the Bible, it's, we're swearing God, upon God's name. It's His Word. That's an oath. At weddings, church membership, elders being ordained, we swear by His name. Jacob vowed to the Lord, if you guide me and protect me and lead us, I will surely give a tenth unto thee. And Jacob kept his vow. Or if he didn't, we would have known about it. In conversation, the Lord is my shepherd. Church discipline. You know what Joshua said to Achan? Give glory to God before they stoned him. They honored God's name. It was taken in vain by Achan. God said, don't take anything. And he disregarded God's word. He disregarded God's name. When we disregard God's word and replace it with our own, or he says yes, we say no. He says no, we say yes. We're disregarding God's name. We are disregarding his word. I know this is tense. It is. We can be so shallow and forgetful of the real meaning that is behind the seriousness of these words. There are positive ways of lifting up
the names of the Lord. We aren't to be superstitious, but we're to be careful. He doesn't want us to leave blank His proper names when we read the Bible. But He wants us to lift up His name. Call upon His name, He says. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't just mean, Jesus saved me. I plead the blood of Calvary. That's calling upon His name. I plead Christ, my prophet, priest, and king. That's calling upon His name. The Bible says, declare His doings among the people. That's preaching His name. Make mention that His name is exalted. Remember our memory verses. When people are converted, they're honoring God's name. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know, judgment day, the Lord's going to get the glory that's due unto His name. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. None other name under heaven given among whereby we must be saved. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. God is a loving God. He wants us to take up His name. He is a revealing God. He has revealed His names in order that we might plead his reputation, his fame, his honor. But remember, we'll consider this, Lord willing, next week. God is also a threatening, a judging God. His name is holy, and he will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Oh, that God would help us all to consider the, the blessing, the truthfulness, the seriousness of, of this commandment of this way to love the Lord. To love the Lord by taking up His name reverently, joyfully. Loving Him with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. We confess our sin to the Lord. And we plead the blood of Christ who never ever took God's name in vain and, for, and, and always lifted up His name purposely. And we plead with our magistrates. That's how we should pray for our magistrates. That they'll know God's commandments. You say, well, what if they're not saved? They are still to uphold God's commandments. God's commandments are not just to Christians. They're to man. The Sabbath was made... Not doesn't say the Sabbath was made for Christians. The Sabbath was made for man. So are all of God's commands. But I trust that as they read the commandments, that they'll see, I'm lost. And it's going to be the first use. Is there any hope for me who am a lawbreaker? Jesus is the law keeper. And it's a revelation of God's will for our life. The Lord is teaching us His will. How we can please Him. But we plead the blood of God as we seek to obey His will. Amen.